Hey everyone, I'm your host, Aaron Johnston, and you are listening to Coasters and Creators, a behind-the-brand look at the influential content creators shaping theme park social media. Today we talked to Jack of Thrilling Moments Photography, a theme park and roller coaster photography brand. Let's get going. Well, my name is Jack Lathrop. I own Thrilling Moments Photography. It's we're a attractions-based uh, photography and production company specializing in theme park photography and on-ride video. Film some of the tallest, fastest roller coasters in the world, taking some of the craziest photos of coasters that I can and doing what we can to promote this awesome industry. Would you say the, the photography is, is the core business or the POVs? So photography is the core part of my business. I am partnered with Upstop Media. We, uh, together, we basically put all the things you see on Coaster Force on YouTube. That's us. Okay. I didn't connect those two things. That's, that's really cool. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about the platforms that you're on, you know, your, your content and the stuff you collaborate on. So, so Thrilling Moments Photography started out as a Twitter page. It started out as a hobby, something I did for fun. And I started posting my pictures on Twitter. It kind of took off from there. From there, I started the Instagram that took off. And then recently, the most addition, most recent addition to that is the website, which has actually just now come up in, online in the last week or so, really. Um, and so that's kind of where the business side of things lives more on the website than anything else. But it's there. There are photos there people can look at. Um, through that whole crazy journey, I met Scott Schaefer, who owns Upstop Media. And he has always had a working relationship with the guys over at Coaster Force. And he and I now film a lot of the POVs for the Coaster Force YouTube channel. Um, so besides the photography, I'm fully versed in on-ride mounting for pretty much any roller coaster you can throw at me, as well as doing off-ride B-roll and things like that. When gotcha. we're working together, which most of the time if we're doing a big project, we are working together. I do the photos, he does the videos, and that's gotcha. kind of how the dream team works. But we are both completely capable of doing everyone's job, which is really cool. So this is pretty, you know, this, I, I when I originally approached you about this, I just saw the, your photography stuff on, on Instagram. I didn't realize it went this deep or was that extensive as far as what you did. This, this started as a hobby. I, um, I hated roller coasters actually. Uh, despised them, would not ride roller coasters uh, at all until 2015. I went with a bunch of friends to Dollywood for the first time. I grew up in East Tennessee, had never been to Dollywood up until okay. I was in middle school. Went to Dollywood for the first time. I rode Thunderhead. It was fun. I rode Fire Chaser. It was fun. But you were not getting me on Wild Eagle. It was never going to happen. Well, we ended up getting season passes that year. Went back to Dollywood a couple of times. Yeah. And I fell in love with roller coasters. This was how many years ago? This was in 2015. So this was eight, nine years ago, about eight years ago. Um, And we went, fell in love with roller coasters and realized that I loved, I rode Wild Eagle finally, fell in love. And then about a year and a half later, I went to Coaster Stock at Kings Island in 2017. And, you know, this is my, it's my first big enthusiast event. You hear the, we're going to take you behind the scenes of the beast and diamondback. And I've got them. I think I had an iPhone five or an iPhone four at the time. It's like this, this it, it, it takes okay photos, but I want sure. cool photos of what I'm seeing. So I uh, stole my grandma's camera yeah. and took it to Kings Island. 
And I ended up giving her camera back. And then I stole my parents' camera after that trip to Kings Island. I never gave that camera back. It's still, it's somewhere in a bag behind me. And I just fell in love with taking pictures of roller coasters. It okay. started as a hobby. Just slowly, I'd take it to parks, took it to Universal, took it to Kings Island, took it to Cedar Point, Dollywood. Just took photos for fun. They, they lived on a hard drive. I showed my friends. That was about it. And then someone told me I should start some sort of social media. I chose yeah. Twitter instead of Instagram. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so I just started building a brand, started posting the photos, and it gained traction. And over time, it's for me, it just feels like a natural transition. I can't really point my finger at when it went from a hobby to something I do for work. But yeah. it, it's transitioned from I fully feel that I am a content creator, but also I fully feel that I work in this industry too. So, so let me go all the way back. So you you despised roller coasters. Where did that animosity come from? I don't know. This is like I thought about this in the years since then. So I grew up I grew up in East Tennessee, grew up around Dollywood, but I never went. The only theme park yeah. I had visited up until I was in sixth grade was Michigan's Adventure, believe it or not. My dad yeah. is from about a small town about an hour north of Muskegon. So we yeah. would go up to visit his family every summer. We'd go to Michigan's Adventure as a family, and I would ride like Wolverine Wildcat and Zach Zoomer. I did mm -hmm. finally ride Shivering Timbers at some point in my early childhood. And I think they got me on Corkscrew eventually, but that was okay. a big to do. And then we went like five years without going to Michigan's Adventure. Um, I never rode Thunderhawk after it opened up there. And I just, the first time we went to Dollywood, just something about Wild Eagle scared me. I didn't like the, the feet dangling. I didn't yeah. like how tall it was because we we take for granted how huge that coaster actually is, but it's a huge roller coaster. Pointed this out to my friends. The um, just because because it sits on a hill, you you do not realize how tall it actually is. If you took it mm -hmm. out and just sit it on a, in a parking lot, it would look it would look closer to the two hundred footer that it actually is. Yeah, it's it's a lift hill. I think is in the top ten tallest beginning lift hills actually. Um, yeah, yeah. And steep, so, steep angle too. <laughs> yeah. Very steep. I, I have not had the pleasure of walking that lift hill, but I know several people who have, and it's a, apparently they say it's a workout. Um, but I finally we went one time, and I got on the ride, and I I mean I was not happy. I cried the whole way up the lift hill. My dad was next to me, had a death grip on his hand. Sure. And something just clicked in my head about halfway down the drop. And about halfway down the drop, I was just like, this is fun. Yeah. And by the time I hit the breaker on something else had clicked, it's like, I want to ride as many roller coasters as I possibly can. And basically, I've never looked back. There's in my life, like that is the turning moment in my life is before I rode roller coasters and after. And I have no idea what my life would look like without that moment. And so where all have you been? I know you mentioned a couple of parks there, but where all have you actually shot? I so professionally, I've done work for Holiday World, okay, um, Fun Spot America, Atlanta. I did all of the promotional photography and video for Air Force One. That's yeah. a, that's my pride and joy. Okay. Um, I've done work for Zamperla, Rocky Mountain Construction, Extreme Engineering, and I am also the uh, a tr 
I am the trade show photographer for IAPA. So I will be on the IAPA floor representing IAPA this year as their photographer. Okay. Um, that I'm very excited about. That's been a huge, I, I can't believe I actually get to do that. Um, oh, yeah. But then besides that, just for fun, pretty much every major theme park in the United States, a lot of the major parks in Europe I've been to, um, I've taken cameras to most of them. It's, it's crazy where this has led me. I never been west of the Mississippi before I rode roller coasters. And now I've yeah. been to almost every state because of roller coasters. <laughs> Let's drop back just for a second. When you, when this all kind of first started for you, what was, what was your goal at the time? Have fun with it. Yeah. The, the, the goal, the goal is to take pictures that I enjoyed. I never thought it would lead to a job or anything like that. It was just uh, let's have some fun with this. Taking a camera to a park gives me something to do besides wait in line. That, that was really, that was it. There was nothing else to it besides that. So would you call yourself a roller coaster enthusiast at this point? Yes, For absolutely. Sure. 100%. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about that, that part of your story. And then I want to get into uh, you know, the actual creator part slash the, you know, professional part a little bit. Um, Cause that's, you know, that's incredibly interesting, but I want to kind of give everybody some, some context of just who you are from an enthusiast perspective. So I, the obvious question to ask here is, is, you know, favorite, favorite coaster. My favorite roller coaster is wildfire at call Martin zoo in Sweden. Okay. That is without a doubt, the best experience I've ever had on a roller coaster. Um, I got to ride it last July. Beautiful day. Everyone thinks I photoshopped my skies and my wildfire photos. I didn't. <laughs> that's it. that's what it looked like that day. I could not have asked for a better sky. It was the most beautiful day. I'm an RMC fanboy. I grew up. My, yeah. my, my backstory, so my 20th credit, most people don't even have the credit. My 20th credit was lightning rods. So I grew up in the roller coaster world, riding lightning rod, riding RMCs. And so yeah. wildfire had always been on the radar. I finally got to it. It was everything I wanted it to be. It looks, it looks incredible. If you've got the time and you can get to Stockholm, take the three hour train ride, bus ride to get down there and ride it. Cause it is just, it's incredible. So you can't ask favorite without, without asking least favorite. Cause I know, oh. sure, I know you have one. <sighs> I have two okay. that I absolutely despise. I hate Nighthawk at Carowinds. Yeah. That coast, oh, I despise that coaster. And then Hades 360 at Mount Olympus. Okay. I have uh, never had a headache as bad as I did after I got off that roller coaster. So every time we've been to, to uh, Carowinds, I've never wanted to wait in line for, for Nighthawk. So you're saying I'm not missing anything. I honestly think that is the you might be the most intelligent person I've ever yeah. met for not wasting your time. I, if I could, if I could get back those thirty minutes of my life, I would. Although I will say that top of coaster kind of holds a special place in my heart a little bit, just because of all the fanfare that that was um, mm -hmm. kind of around that 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 top of model when it was first introduced. Well, and it's um, such a cool model. And then, like we talked, we talked about my favorite, my second favorite roller coaster is Fly at Fantasia Land, which is like. Okay. Yeah, what yeah, the yeah. ride could have been if it had been about 20 years later. Yeah. So I see like, I love flying coasters. And Do you I just, really? 
I do, and I just can't get behind Nighthawk. I I loved Firehawk at Kings Island. Something about Nighthawk just the rides I've the two rides I've had on it have beat me up so bad that I'm just like <laughs> I never want to do this again. How do you feel about the B and M flying coasters? I love them. Um, I think the Superman models are great. Honestly, I I think they're better than the Batman clones. I get some I get some hate for that one, but I'd yeah. rather ride a Superman clone than the Batman clone. Yeah, I don't blame you. That the the pretzel loop is just the most unique feeling um, mm-hmm. element on any coaster I've been on. I think it's so good. It's bizarre. And so bizarre. It, it's a it's a bizarre feeling. You just you're not expecting to be just absolutely nope. crushed like that. Nope. That's what makes flying coasters so crazy. <laughs> is it's like Tatsu. You're oh we're flying. It's all graceful, and then all of a sudden it's like oh, yeah. No, no. Oh yeah. we're back to flying. It's all graceful. So uh, let's expand out just a little bit. So you like coasters. I know kind of by extension, you like theme parks. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite park? Fantasia land. Okay. Without a doubt, there's no better place on earth. The theming, the rides, the food, the staff, the hotels. It's top notch. Yeah. I've heard that. Is there one you've been to that you just did not care for? Ooh. Um, Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Really? I am not a huge Bush Gardens Williamsburg fan. I think it's got a very weird layout and their ride collection leaves a lot to be desired in my opinion. Even with Pantheon? Even with Pantheon. Um how do you how does it and your mind how does it compare with Tampa? I like Tampa a little more. They've got just their coasters are just superior, I think they've yeah, got just a better Roomba. better collection. The only the only coaster at Busch Gardens Williamsburg that I really love is Alpengeist. And if it could yeah. swap Alpengeist and Montu, Busch Gardens Tampa would have top five coaster lineup, in my opinion. Yeah. But. Yeah. I'm, I'm prejudiced a little bit because one of my the earliest coaster I remember riding was was Kumba in Tampa. Such a such a good ride. And it's you know, it, it definitely shows its age now a bit, but I don't know, especially in the area where I live, I don't know of a more picturesque coaster than and more iconic. Well, and it's that coaster, that that coaster, that image, which just my little like dirty secret. I've actually never taken that photo. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my like, you're a coaster photographer and you've never sure. taken the Kumba shot. Yeah. Yeah. I get some of my friends give me crap for that. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know. Everyone takes that photo, so it's but it's it's crazy because I could go to the public library and find a book that's got a roller coaster picture in it, and I would be willing to bet it would be the Kumba photo. Yeah, like that that angle yeah. is the coaster photo, in my opinion. Yeah. How what are as far as the in the industry? What are some trends you're liking right now? I love I get, I love multi generational coasters. I love family coasters. I think they're so much fun. As someone, my mom has a terrible, terrible back. She cannot ride anything that's got um, pulls any more than like a G and a half, two Gs. Like she just can't do it. Yeah. And so it was such a amazing experience to finally get to take her to Dollywood and ride a roller coaster with her this year to get her on Big Bear. Um, you got her on Big Bear. Got her on Big Bear. I love that coaster. I think that's going to be a huge trend in the industry. I'm super excited for um, Arctic Trek 
yeah. at SeaWorld next year because I think it's going to be very similar. I just think there's something really awesome about being able to get people on a coaster that everyone can ride and that's really fun. And is it the most intense thing you've ever ridden? No, but it's just, it's fun. So that's a trend. I'm really excited to see how that plays out over the next five to 10 years. I think we'll see a lot of those open up. What do you think about the, the, um, the family boomerangs that Kings Island and uh, holiday world have coming up? I'm super excited. Um, the more so for holiday worlds one, I'm a little biased. The people at Holiday World have been some of my biggest supporters over the yeah. years, um, so I'm a little biased towards them. Also, they they got a custom layout, so they, they get some bonus points for that. Uh, I got to ride a couple of those last year in Europe when I was over there, and they're super okay. fun. Yeah. They they offer it's kind of the same vein as Big Bear, just in a different package. You've got the you get to go backwards and they're yeah. super interactive. That's my favorite thing is because of how they design these. They're so compact, but you can get the paths right up against them and people who aren't even riding get to experience the attraction even if they're not on it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm super excited for those to open. Uh I'll for sure be at Holiday World's opening day to ride Good Gravy. Not sure when I'll get to King's Islands, but I'll be there for sure next year. I think I'm also a huge Vacoma fan. I think they've got a lot of awesome products right now. Man, they have improved a ton since. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reputation for Vacoma when I was growing up uh, versus like, what it is today, just not in day, you know? Um, it's They've done so much. I had lunch with one of my friends that works at Dollywood. He's, uh, he's high enough up to where he gets a say in what they buy. And I said, 10 yeah. years ago, if you had bought a Vacoma and we'd been friends, I probably would have told you you were insane. So you've ridden since 2015. You've obviously ridden your, your fair share of, of roller coasters. Normally, I would ask, how have you, how's your perspective kind of evolved over the years of kind of going from where you were to becoming an enthusiast? Obviously, it's evolved quite a bit, but kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I mean... Since I, when I started getting into coasters, I had less than 20 credits and I uh, hit 500 this past summer. So I've definitely added quite a few. I've done my fair share of traveling to experience all of these rides. I think the biggest thing I've noticed is as I, the longer I do this, the longer I go to parks, the longer I take photos the less I care about a lot of the nerdy things. I'm getting more and more into the industry side of things like the operations, but I also, I no longer, when I'm at a park, I'm going obsessively like, we got to get on everything. We got to do this. We got to do that. Did you Now I go to a park and I'm just kind of strolling around and having a good time. They become more of a, they've almost become more less of an obsession and they're kind of shifting back into the hobby because it was definitely a hobby then it was an obsession now it feels like it's a hobby again which is really interesting that's interesting um, i wouldn't i wasn't expecting that um and part of that is and we, we'll get into this a little more when we start talking about like the content creator and the industry side of things when i go to work i have to go to a theme park and so people are like, and that's a big, huge, that's a huge disconnect for my family and like my friends that aren't enthusiasts Yeah. because they hear theme park and work and they sure. laugh because they're like, those two, those two things don't go together, but it's, I'm to take pictures of roller coasters. I have to go to theme parks. And so it, the mentality definitely, I've also developed almost like two personalities. I have work Jack when I'm at a theme park, who's got yeah. his camera out, who does not care about riding anything, who is 
got a shot list and is working to get what he needs to get for content. Yeah. And then I have fun Jack, which is the camera is put up. Now I'm riding roller coasters and having fun. I think that's a big thing because when I started doing this, it was just the ride coasters have fun. And now I've got the whole other side of it where it's you're in a professional setting right now. Got to get the work done. So since all this started back in 2015, do you have a moment that kind of sticks out in your mind as far as memorable? <sighs> the the moment that the, I do kind of have a pinpoint moment where I realized coaster photography might be something more than just a hobby. And that was when... It was 2021 when I was at Do I was at Dollywood by myself. It was a, it's a rare Dollywood day where I didn't go with any fans, friends or family. Yeah. And so I took my camera because I usually don't take my camera to Dollywood unless I'm either doing work or I'm by myself. Yeah. And it was July 21st. I was coming down Craftsman's Valley and I looked yeah. up and I saw where the sun was and I looked at where the quad down was and I went, Mm -hmm. The sun is going to set right behind lightning rod tonight, isn't it? And so I stood there for two hours and I waited for the sun to set for, to take a picture of lightning rod that has yeah. since then become pretty unanimous with me. Like there's a lot yeah. of people who, when I say the lightning rod sunset photo, pretty much everyone who knows my photography knows what photo I'm talking about. Um, and it kind of, I took that photo I sent it to a, I literally, I had my laptop in my car, took that photo, went to my car, edited it, and then went back in to take more photos and sent it to a couple people. And it was the, the general re reaction was you, you just took that photo. And it kind of clicked somewhere in that night looking yeah. at the photo that I was like, you know, this might be doable. I might be able to pull off this whole roller coaster photography thing. Yeah. What are some bucket list items that you that you still have hanging out there? Wild Eagle Lift Walk, preferably okay. in the fall, foggy morning. That 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 Wild Eagle is my coaster. It's the ride that got me over my fears. Yeah. Lift walk of that ride is basically a must for me at this point. Um Trying to think, I've got there's so many like random little things I would love to do. I've got a list of roller coasters I would absolutely love to put a camera on at some point. Fury yeah. three two five, Millennium Force, basically yeah. all the Giga coasters. I would love to put cameras on any of those. What are you using these days to keep up with kind of developments in the industry? So I uh, you, I so I keep up with IAPA. Um, Fun yeah. World is a huge. Definitely, if anyone who's into the industry, Fun World is published digitally each month for free. Um, yep. So definitely, Fun World is a huge thing. Amusement Today, keeping up with whatever they're writing. Um, a lot of a lot of word of mouth. There's a lot of things you'll hear about from people at either Golden Tickets or at, at Expo or Media Days, and talk to them about that and get some info and a lot of networking. And then just for like my day-to-day -day news, Twitter, a uh, yeah. couple big page, Coaster 101, always been big fans of them, gotten yeah. to be friends with a lot of them now. They still do great, just keeping you up to date on kind of the enthusiast side of what's happening. Also, uh, I think Andrew Hyde on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. He and I have been friends for a couple of years now. We're also both massive Atlanta Braves fans. So we text more about Braves baseball than we do about 
roller coaster stuff, but he's always really good about breaking things down from a business side of view, which is really helpful for yeah. enthusiasts a lot of times because some even and not even I'm guilty of this working in the industry. We forget that this is the business. Sure. So let's talk about the actual creative part of what you do. Kind of dig a little deeper into your journey from from hobby roller coaster photography to hey, somebody's actually paying me to do this. Most people don't get to make that jump. And I'll start by acknowledging like this is the it is one of the hardest industries to get into, in my opinion. Um, yeah. That's from someone who has fought their way into it. And it is a it's an uphill battle to get a lot, into this a lot of competition. Um, and part of there's a lot of I'll kind of break in, get into this a little bit. But so what really what really started this all was I got involved on Twitter, started making a brand for myself, started making a name for myself. And really quickly, I built up a reputation for good photos. And the other thing that I've always valued and I will always value is I do not like I'll, I'll cut up. I make jokes, but I'm never going to directly be call out a park or do anything like that on my Twitter. Yeah. I don't trash talk anyone or anything publicly just because like that's not the image I want associated with my brand. And that's another big thing that I've always, especially now looking back, I think that is a huge difference between me and some other people that have tried to get into this industry is that yep. anytime I have something negative to say, it, it does not make it online. I mean, that's, that's, that's harder than it may seem from time to time. Oh, especially. it's very, I have some backlog of some blog posts from when I used to have a blog on an old iteration of a website and they, they will never see the light of day. But, sure. <laughs> um, and so that was, it kind of started as that. And you, roller coaster Twitter is an interesting place because there's a lot of people on it, but there's a lot of like key accounts that you see over and over. Coaster yeah. 101, um, Buckeye Coasters, Wildcat Coasters, Upstop Media before Scott gave up Twitter. And I give him, I talk to him about that all the time. I'm like, you got to get back on Twitter. Um, more recently, the drunk riders, coasters and brews. Um, yeah, the the list goes on. But there's all of these key people that kind of like keep the roller coaster Twitter moving forward. I feel like, and yeah. I started to make friends with a lot of those people, and that kind of just evolved into this large group of friends and networks. Well, let's talk about that real quick. When you say because that is one of those things that that's easy to kind of hop right over. Hey, I made friends with 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 these people in this industry on social media. Talk about a little bit what that how that actually happens. Because a lot of people are just afraid to kind of reach out and just say, it's, "Hey, this is what I do." You know, I enjoy your stuff. It's it was always super. It's always super interesting. Um, I'm a very outspoken, extroverted person. Um, yeah. So we, it, a lot of the people I know, it actually works out growing up at Dollywood. Yeah. There's a lot of people come to Dollywood. So it'd always be like, Hey, this person's coming to Dollywood this day. They posted about it on Twitter. So we should go to Dollywood this day so we can meet them. Yeah. And that's a lot of what happened is we would, I would message the people on Twitter be like, Hey, I saw you're going to Dollywood. Care if we uh, come up and catch a ride or two with you. And, or sometimes it'd be Kings Island or Carowinds, but it, that's how it would happen is we just, yeah. me and my dad is, I should, I really should mention my dad. He is not a coast. He was not a coaster enthusiast, hated roller coasters. Just like me also got over his fears of coasters. Um, 
earlier than I did, but he was a key instrument in like finally getting me on Wild Eagle. Yeah. And then he has also traveled the world with me riding coasters. He just does it for fun. But I, I have to mention him because I was 15, 16 when I was getting into all of this. I couldn't necessarily, you know, yeah. hop on a plane and go anywhere I wanted. So have to mention my dad. <laughs> he is a huge part of this journey. None of this is possible without him or my mom. But so we just go to, we just go to parks and we'd meet these awesome yeah. people and a lot of them do their own sort of content creation, whether it's a podcast or running a Twitter page or a blog or a website or whatever it is. And just starting to make all these connections. And a lot of them I am still really good friends with to this day, talk to all the time. And I mean, at this point, it's like I've known them my whole lives. It feels like. Yeah. yeah. So, so you kind of got over the hump there, got connected mm-hmm. in the right way to the right people. And then kind of what was your first big break? So I went through uh, 20. So the COVID did a lot of bad for a lot of people. It did a lot of good for me. I will not deny it. It got me out of a really crappy job that I hated. Yeah. Um, and I was able to finally leave that job. And I was going off to college to leave the job and just go ride coasters and have fun and take as many pictures as I could. Yeah. And through that, I met Scott Schaefer, um, Upstop Media. Uh, he also worked on the This Is How We Roll documentary with Coaster Studios yeah. and some other projects like that. Yep. And he and I met. He was in the position where he needed a new like second set of hands. Interns wanted to show someone else the ropes for what he was doing. And he and I had met a couple times and we'd hit it off. And so I was actually just out and about one day and my phone rang. It was him because I had his number and we texted, sent funny things. And he called me. He's like, I got a crazy idea. It's like, okay. It's like, do you want to work for me? And that was kind of, that was kind of how it started. Um, yeah. And at that point I, I had no idea. See, what see not, not, now you make me want to have Scott on this podcast. You should definitely have Scott. I will. You should definitely have Scott. And if you really want a story, you should put a he and I in the same room together. Uh, you don't. It, you never know what will happen. But <laughs> he and so he and I started working together last last January. It was kind of like when we started everything up. Okay. Um, he shot me all of the POV rigging, how to do all of that, all the safety stuff that goes with that, because there is a lot more than just putting a GoPro on a train. Yeah. Um, and through him, he's been around this industry since the 90s. Okay. And the cre- the thing is, most of the people that are working in the industry now were enthusiasts back then. So he grew up riding coaster with his, with all these people and kind of started his company, knew all of them as friends, was able to get work. And then that's kind of how I found my in was I made friends with him, started working with all these parks, and the rest is kind of just happened naturally i've been very fortunate i got to attend the golden ticket awards this year which is a huge deal and it's very hard dollywood yep and it's it's not an easy thing to get an invite to so to get to go to that and meet everyone that's at golden tickets was a huge opportunity going to iapa this year um this will actually be my first time ever going to expo but not to just be going as a media person to be going in on iapa staff essentially is a huge awesome thing and apart a lot of what's the scott has kind of been the liaison for for a lot of this is that kind of how it's worked yes i owe scott so much like i would not be here without scott he's done a lot for me but he and i also have had some conversations about 
exactly what we're talking about, about how hard it is to get into this industry, because a lot of it does yeah. turn into who, you know, there is a lot of like some of its skill, some of it's having talent, but there's a lot of who, you know, yeah. and something not, not, un not unlike anything, mm -hmm. right? The same thing. And he and I have had some conversations with this and I've had conversations with other big industry people about the fact that it is a very high barrier to entry more so because it's just a small industry than because I don't want people in. But yeah. one of the big conversations I've been pushing on people was like, there's a lot of talented people out there who just don't get their shot because they don't have the opportunity to get a shot. And so that's been something I've been trying to push with my photography because there's a lot of parks and I'm not knocking them. There's a lot of parks who just do all of their photography in house. Yeah. Awesome. Something I've been taking to parks is, look, you all can take great photos. There's no denying that. But I specialize in doing these roller coaster photos. Yeah. And so that's been my that's really that's kind of my pitch to parks is like, look, here's your here here's your generic website photo right now. Yeah. And then here's what Funspot's website looks like after they let me go crazy with Air Force photos. And yeah, that's a good that's thing about having a port about having a portfolio like this, especially mm -hmm. in this kind of kind of hobby it's uh it kind of speaks for itself doesn't it and it's it's a lot of it's the portfolio is half the battle most of the time yeah. it's like it's like look i've done i've done all these crazy things i i know i i know what i'm doing i know i'm a 20 year sure. old kid that looks like he doesn't know what he's doing but sure, sure. i've done i've done some cool things and hey just really, for my i was gonna say just for my knowledge does uh does dollywood do are they in-house Dollywood is using another company right now. Um, okay. They're not using us, which is a goal of mine would be, yeah. I would love to do some yeah. stuff for Dollywood. Yeah. You got to pull that off. Right. Um, bring it, bring it full circle. That, that would be the full circle that. moment. That would be <laughs> the full circle moment for me was beginning to do some Dollywood work, which is that I have, a, I have a list of like goals and things I'd like to achieve and doing promotional photography and videography for Dollywood is very yeah. high on my list of goals. Who are they, who are they using? Uh, Escape visuals right now. Okay. Are you familiar I, with those guys? No of them. I have never actually had any in-person interactions with them. Yeah. That's just sidebar. I was just wondering because that's, you know, I mean, Dollywood's my home park too. So I always love to know, you know, yeah. kind of what's going on from that perspective. Um, no, that's cool. So, Again, I love to hear those stories because you you have those people that that want to be involved in the, in, in the industry, maybe even in the same capacity that you are. But just the kind of getting to that point just seems like this, you know, this big mystery, this big mm -hmm. black box that you know, how do I ever actually pull that off? Yeah, the the two pieces of advice I give to people that I know who want to get into this is one. People are going to tell you you're dreaming too big and it's not realistic. Yeah. Ignore it. So many of my family thought I was crazy. I think my parents thought I was crazy. They never said it. They always have supported me, but they're always like, this is a pipe dream. Yeah. But my grandparents, they definitely told me it was a pipe dream. And other people in my immediate family and friends are like, you're, you're never going to make it. And this last year, getting to, getting to call people and be like, I'm going to IAPA on IAPA staff. Yeah. It was a, a moment I never thought I'd actually get the reach, but I, I got there because I just kept going. So never give up on the dream. And then yes, network, 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 network. Talk, talk, talk to the supervisors, talk to the park president. If you see them in the park, talk yeah. to 
anyone that will talk to you. Just get your get your name out there. If you're wanting to do coaster designing and stuff like that, like media day, RMC people are going to be there. Their rides have issues. I can't say that because I, I know all the RMC people really well and we're yeah. close enough where I can poke fun at them. So it's like, they're going to have <laughs> issues. There'll be someone from RMC there. Just talk to them. They want to talk to you. That's the other yeah. thing is everyone's scared to go talk to these people. Yeah. They're all nerds too. They all exactly. love this stuff just as much as we do. So that gets, that kind of walks us through getting you to the industry. Now I want to know, or let's talk, let's dig in a little bit on, on kind of how you do what you do, but let's focus on photography for a minute. Okay. Um, tell me about that progression and kind of how you developed that skill. So it started with a Panasonic something or other. I can't remember what camera I took to King's Island. It was a small little mirrorless camera. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was pretty crappy. I think my grandma got it on a black Friday special from okay. Kmart before Kmart went out of business. Uh, yeah, it was, it was small. It was tiny, but it sparked something. I really loved having the physical thing in my hands that I could take the photos with. So then I stole my parents' Nikon D40. Okay. And I loved that camera. I shot on that camera from 2017 until May of 2019. That camera's last outing was Wildwood Grove Media Day. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then I upgraded to a Nikon D7200, bigger camera, bigger lenses, built the kit out, got just kind of went crazy. I shot on that through March of 2022. And then I jumped ship and went to Canon, which made a lot of my friends mad because they're like, you're ditching us for Canon. Yeah, I did. And I got a Canon R5. It's my first with my first pro level body invested in some pro level glass. And that's what I'm shooting on right now. So that's kind of like that's the gear progression. And then like the journey itself, I literally I had never I'd picked up, you know, the camera once or twice growing up when my parents would let me take a picture. But I grabbed the camera, just started using it for a long time. I used them like the automatic modes, just took the photos. Yeah. Then finally learned what editing was. I didn't know you could edit photos for like a year. Um, <laughs> and so then I learned what editing photos was. And that was like, yeah. oh, this is a game changer. Yeah. And so I got Adobe Lightroom. I mm-hmm. And I, I've stuck with Adobe. I'm an Adobe person through and through. Um, and I learned to edit photos. And then I slowly started to dabble with learning manual f- photography using setting your shutter yourself, setting your ISO, your aperture, setting all of that up yourself. I, I dabbled with that for a while. I still stuck with a lot of just preset settings on both of my Nikons. And then okay. when you jump ship to a pro level camera, all of a sudden there's basically no, uh, there's no presets. You kind of, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You're, you're stuck with some dials and some buttons and it's figure it out, kid. So when yeah. I jumped to my Canon, that's when I really had to learn to shoot full manual. But yeah. also when you're shooting with a camera of that level, like it's so awesome. Just makes like, everything look good. It, it makes way. everything, it makes level. everything look good. Even if I overexpose, it looks good. Underexpose looks good. Aperture's yeah. wrong. looks good. ISO's wrong. looks good. So I learned, but I did learn finally how to use the camera, how to compose shots. I, taught myself framing a lot of YouTube videos, just learning all of the ins and outs of photography. 
Yeah. I've never taken the formal photography class, never taking a formal editing class, entirely self-taught. And it's I, got, it's done pretty well for me. So yeah, I think, I, I think I can ask this and it'll, it'll encompass everything I want to ask about the actual, the actual photography piece of what you do. What's the biggest misconception about taking a good shot? I do think a lot of it does come down to iPhones. Cell phones have great cameras. You're yeah. never going to be the zoom lens. That's one of the biggest things is like people are like, I can take a great photo on my phone. Yeah. You can take a great wide angle shot on your phone. Trust me. I mean, don't go look at my calendar too close. I might have snuck a wide angle photo off my phone into my coaster calendar. Or not not the coaster yeah. calendar, the non-coaster calendar this year. Like you can take a great great photo on your iPhone. But as soon as you want to zoom in, that's where the misconception is. I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, you can just zoom in and post." Good good camera lens changes yeah, everything. The other thing I think a lot of people obsess over is like the photo needing to be tack sharp. Um, this is something like more professional and there's a time and a place for a photo being tack sharp. I fully will say that, but there's a lot of times where it's like just a little subtle motion blur or something like that doesn't detract yeah. from the image at all. I think it adds to it. And that's something I see yeah. people struggle with on Instagram because you'll see this beautiful photo that's just tack sharp and it just looks too perfect sometimes. And that's the thing. Like these are, real yeah. these are real things there's nothing perfect about these they're alive they're moving they're supposed to feel alive and like if you're taking a photo of something like velocicoaster it's it's not a tame experience it's a thrilling like journey you're on and so like yeah. trying to get the photo to reflect the fact that it's high speed, high thrill. That's something I really focus on. Um, the name of the company, Thrilling Moments Photography, the the, I mean, the joke is we, we capture the thrilling moment of things. That's where yeah. the company got its name. Um, so is that, and I was, the, uh, you know, be, so let's just say you have like technically the correct photo or you've, you've captured the moment technically correct. Is that how you kind of distinguish between, hey, this is the one I'm throwing out and this is what I'm keeping or I'm going to continue to process on or edit on? Just that feeling? A lot, there's a lot of feeling in it. Um, a lot of the times, like, I'll pick a photo angle. It comes down to, like, where the train's at, but also I look at yeah. the people. This is this is another thing, and this is as I've got more, not as much Instagram focus, but, like, poor industry side. The people, yeah. the, the faces they're making, what they're doing on the ride matters so much more than you would ever think. Like subconsciously, you might just look at a coaster photo and you see a cool coaster photo. But if everyone's sitting there cross-armed, yeah. just staring off, that doesn't say I'm having fun. You want hands up, expressions of like jubilation yeah. and happiness. That's something I really also focus on a lot is like, what are the people doing? One of my favorite things too is if you get, you know, someone who's riding who looks scared and is having but you can tell they're having fun and then whoever's riding next to them is just turned and watching them that's one of my favorite things is like the, <laughs> i'm looking like the person watching the reaction because that tells me that they're having fun and that they want to know that that person's having fun and there's just so many like little nuances like that that that's what i really think distinguishes just your average joe pulling a phone out taking a photo versus like what i'm looking yeah. at when i'm taking photos the other thing is you you're walking around the park this looks cool 
photo. Okay, keep walking. I walk around the yeah. park and I move about ten feet a minute, maybe. If that's yeah. that's a that's a good pace. A lot of times it's look through the photos. Nope, these don't look good. Okay, more photos. Better. Yeah. That's the one. Move ten feet up to the next spot I want to take photos yeah. and just rinse and repeat. And that's that's like a day at the park with me is just moving very very slowly taking photos. So when you're doing work for professionally, I guess what, which is what you're doing now, do you get a lot of feedback on your on your pictures, or are you are you your biggest critic? I am 100% my biggest critic. The most feedback I've ever gotten was, "Can you re-edit this to make the sunset look less spectacular?" And I was like, "Okay, sure, sure. I, I I can tone that back." But for I for sure am my own biggest critic. I um never want to stop getting better at what I'm doing. I'm constantly trying to improve upon. So I might take the most amazing photo and I'll still find yeah. things I don't like about it. And sometimes it's something that was in my control. Like I could have waited for that person to move or there's a cloud there. And sometimes it's just not in my control because you're shooting roller coasters and you get one shot at the photo and the person in the front row makes a terrible face. Sometimes it's that, but it's like, constantly trying to improve on the craft is my biggest like that when i look at where i like want where i am now versus where i want to be it's just like what can i do better what is it new lenses yeah. is it do i just need to go practice more that's like my whole motto is just like constant improvement when you're looking for inspiration um or kind of getting to that next level are you looking within the the roller coaster photographer community or are you looking outside of that both more? definitely looking yeah. especially on twitter instagram seeing other people post great photos you see them post a great photo you want to take a great photo just like that so that i everyone in the coaster community and everyone in the coaster photography community is great um and it, they just constantly push me to want to be better because i see what they're doing and it's like i want to do that i want to take that awesome photo um, so, but even looking outside, like other, just other places, I'm constantly looking at like, that's an awesome photo. That's an awesome photo. I want to do that. Yeah. So everybody kind of has their own style. Everybody has their own kind of hook. When I look at one of your, you know, one of your coaster picks, is there a specific way that I can tell it's yours? My biggest thing is, and this is kind of a, and I, I break my rule every once in a while. I'm not a huge fan of just roller coaster and train and a little bit of track. I okay. love to show more of what's happening because that's the other thing. Obviously, cameras, we have zoom lenses, there's time, there's they're awesome. But our human eyes see so much more than my 600 millimeter lens does. And so trying to showcase a lot more of what's happening, whether that's including more trees or getting like bigger yeah. area shots. Um, also embracing the chaos. Like there's, there's places where it's like, if I could get rid of this, it would be such a much better photo, but that's there. You got to deal with that. So in like embracing the, the chaos of these parks, yeah. I like to say, embrace, embrace that fence, embrace that trash can, embrace that guy that's been standing there smoking a six pack for the last hour. And he won't uh, move even after you asked him to for five minutes. That's a, that's yeah, a true story. I was, <laughs> was going to say, you know, a lot of this just by the very nature of what they are and kind of um, 
contextually what these rod, where these rods sit, you're, 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 you're in to some degree, you are in a box, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you kind of are. So, and I, I, you may not feel the same way. I, I love a box from a creative perspective. I, oh. I, I do my best work there, but I don't know if you feel the same way. I 100% feel the same way. We, we share a home park with Dollywood and coaster photography at Dollywood is hard. It's hard. There is not a lot of places you can go in that park to take photos. Well, it's funny. And yeah, This whole conversation when you've been talking about, it, I've been thinking about, gosh, I know how limited some of these, some of these coasters are and how much of a challenge mm -hmm. it must, it must be. Big bear is like the dream come true. I'm like, Oh my gosh, finally <laughs> unlimited coaster angles. But lightning rod, eagle, tornado, mystery mind, even fire chaser to some extent, they're yeah. not easy rides to photograph. And so the heart, like the coolest thing about having Dollywoods as a home park and as like my practice grounds is I've been in the position where there's a lot of Dollywood photos that I've found the angle. I've literally stood in every bit of that path trying to find something new. And then I start pushing the boundaries of the boxes and driving up into the cabins around the park, trying to get photos and things like okay. that. Yeah. Um, just trying to, I love, I love being in a box, but if I'm in a box, I'm pushing against the wall. That's like yeah. my thing is just like, what can I do? But then, yeah, you, you get so much experience just, creating with dollywood that when i go to a park like cedar point it's like yeah this is just, fun. Not, I can just, just wide open over there over there over there like there's so many options and it's so much fun to go to a park that has all of these crazy options but then like the challenge of going back to dollywood and i as i've done the longer i do this the less i take a camera to dollywood just because i, I have basically every photo you can every imagine you can of the park. Yeah. um but every once in a while, I'll take it. And every once in a while, I find something new and I'm super happy and impressed. And then it it's just a lot of fun. And that's kind of, that's the creative process for me. I love finding new angles, especially Dollywood. Holiday World is another park. I have taken yeah. so many pictures at Holiday World. I've been places in Holiday World. They've let very few people just to take photos. And I just love trying to find new creative things to do with these rides and with the parks. Let's uh, kind of go into our last part of this. Um, at this point in time, so we've talked about what, what, you know, what being on Twitter has kind of gotten you from a, from a building that friend network perspective. Um, what is, what's the role of social media in what you do today? So social media now is almost more of like, I, I hate to say it's my side project, but it kind of mm -hmm. is at this point. Um, yeah. Cause I really do owe a lot to social media because if I walk back through the process that I got the job with Scott because of my social media pages, like he noticed me because of my social media. And so that is the other thing. Like, yes, I got into the industry because I knew someone, but he knew me because of my social media. So that is very like, it's a huge part of what I do. And that's why I always feel bad when they like take a back seat. Um, I've been working on a lot of stuff in the lead up to IAPA lately. So I feel bad because I've not posted any, but for right now, it's a huge, I love to communicate with people, still be involved in the discourse of what's happening in the industry. And it's a yeah. great way to, to keep up with what the enthusiast world thinks of the industry 
And I like to yeah. think I live in this very weird gap where I'm very much still an enthusiast, still have a lot of enthusiast friends, still go to parts like I'm an enthusiast. But I also live in the world where I'm in the industry. And my conversations some days include talking to park presidents and communications directors at IAPA and things like that. Yeah. And so I get to see both sides. And social media is like my window still into that enthusiast world. It basically, it's at my fingertips whenever I want. So that's kind of a, that's what I use social media for now is really understanding the enthusiast and then also keeping up with my friends and posting about my travels because it's a really cool job. I get to go a lot of awesome places. So posting about, oh, hey, look, I'm at this awesome park today and this is awesome and we're doing this thing and whatever it is we're up to. So kind of that, that sub community of theme park um, photographers, is it a pretty supportive community? Do you yes. have a lot of interaction with other coaster photographers? I do. We actually have a group chat on Instagram of about 15 of us. And it's okay. a lot of it's just us cutting up and talking about random things. But then there's also just someone will drop a photo. We'll all give what we think about it. It's like, mm -hmm. I think this is great. Maybe you could, you know, edit this and make this do something different over here. Or like we, especially if it's like a home park photo, it's like, what if you like, could you like stand five feet to your right and get it like just a little bit different? So we'll, we'll all give feedback to each other on whatever photos we're doing. So. So you, you kind of have a unique perspective here being someone who's professionally doing this now. Can you talk a little bit about what you see uh, from the perspective of the relationship between the parks and the content creators? It's a, it's an interesting position. Um, Cause I truly do. I truly do see both sides of it. Cause I've been the small guy on the block that wants to get invited to an event that just can't cause I don't have the numbers. Yeah. And now I've, especially like I'll use Air Force one will be my example on this. It was me, Scott, uh, Susie story who used to work with IAPA. She owns her own company now and Haley Knoble of the Knoble's family who we stole from Knoble's for the weekend to help us open the ride. Okay. Um, it was the four of us. We we ran media day. So okay. when it came down to it, we were we had a meeting. We sat down and we're like, okay, here's everyone who asked to come to media day. We don't <laughs> have that much time for rider cam, so someone's going to get yeah. cut. And then we yeah. had we had the conversation. How, how, fu how funny was it? How funny was it to be on that side of things? I, <laughs> I we were we were eating breakfast and everyone's sitting around with their laptops at the same time doing work and I was like this is so weird. It's like how did I get how did I get here? Yeah. Um yeah. so I think my biggest thing is I do wish parks would be more warming and welcoming to the smaller creators cuz yeah. there's a place for them. They all have their audiences, they have their niche and a lot of oh. them are just looking for that break. My, my impression has been the small creators, they really do not want much at all. They just want some minor involvement. Mm -hmm. And but the but the enthusiasm there is is I mean you, you almost can't buy it. Right. So it's almost all upside for very little that you mm -hmm. have to invest in those people. And I don't know it's that that's completely understood on the parks side. I, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head because most of these small channels and podcasts and things like that that I've come across, if you gave them a media day invite, just a media day invite, yeah. they're going to be over the moon about it. 
Like, oh, sure. that's that's what they want. They don't they don't need the special treatment or the free ticket no. or the behind the scenes towards like just invite them to media day. Like that's a huge. Yeah. I think that's something I wish parks would do more of. And I think there's certain parks that really do a good job of inviting as many people as they can. And there's a lot of parks that are very closed off on their media list and it's legacy media. And the few people that are so big, if they don't invite, they would like actually lose like attendance over it. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think that's a huge thing. But then from the parks perspective, I also see how much these media events cost. Yeah. And there's a huge, you're, usually with a media event, you're, you know, opening the park early, running a ride or two or three, or in Wild Grove's case, eight rides yeah. with full operators before the park's opened. You're usually going to get some sort of goodie bag. And then, yeah, you're going to lose ticket sales that day because when, historically, a media day, once you're invited to a media day, Media day concludes, you get to go to the park the rest of the day. Yep. So there is a little bit of investment, although the flip side to that is your in-park spend is usually up when you get a free ticket. Um, so it's like, okay, well, you, they got in for free, but they're going to spend that same amount of money on food and drinks and merchandise. So are you really losing money? Well, and, and it just kind of goes back and forth on those two things. It's like, well, we let them in for free and then they spend money, but then we could have made more money if we didn't let them in for free. What you also don't know is kind of structurally how that park is set up. How does marketing interact with other groups, right? Does mm -hmm. marketing have to fit the bill for everything for, for your ticket from what, from you inviting me to me? You know what I'm saying? Just, you never really yeah. know how those car, those cost structures are set up. And every park goes different and every yeah. media manager and PR person has their way they do things. And the other reason, and I do know this is a huge reason why they don't invite a lot of smaller creators. If they invite, let's say I'm a YouTube channel and I have a thousand subscribers and 500 followers on Twitter and I get an invite yep. and Joe over there who has the exact same numbers as I do and the exact same followings that I do doesn't get an invite. It, there's a point where there's it's like it, there is a point where everyone can have a YouTube channel. Everyone can be a small creator mm -hmm. and you can't invite the whole world to your event. Yeah. So I think that's where a lot of it comes from is like, it's tough. we got to be selective with who can come, but we want these people to come and it just it's gets. About, you're right. It's tough. It's about finding the right people. Mm -hmm. it's about finding that and right mix. Isn't it? I do think, I think especially as, a new generation of marketing and PR people get into these parks because a lot of the people that run these marketing and PR departments are going to be retiring in the next 10 to 15 years. I think as a new generation gets in, we're going to see a shift in how a lot of things are done. Look at Kentucky Kingdom when Jefferson was their um, marketing director. Yep. He was inviting small creators and utilizing Twitter a, the, a way I'd never seen a theme park use it. Yep. And, I think there's going to be a lot of that in the next 10 years. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Cause I think that's also a huge difference for someone who never got their shot to get into this industry, yeah. meeting the right person to get their shot. What do you see coming down the line from a, or social media roller coaster enthusiast content, however you want to kind of frame that. Where do you see that going? 
so not just in the roller coaster world, but obviously in the entirety of social media, there's been a huge shift to short form video content, um, which I don't think you're surprised at all that I said something about that because it's a huge, <laughs> it's a yeah. huge thing that. As much as I despise it, I'm not a huge short form video content person. I would much rather not? make I would much rather make longer videos and like actually get to dive in to what yeah. I'm talking about or whatever it is I'm showcasing than just like the short form, just like, have you seen this dive coaster? It dives and then it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But as much lowest, as I hate it the lowest, the lowest common denominator, right? Mm -hmm. As yeah. much as I hate some of that stuff, it's here to stay. Like it's it's proven that it's a it's a money making machine. And yeah. I think so. I think there's going to be a huge shift from theme parks, from theme park creators, from attraction manufacturers, to the short form content as we ride the wave of TikTok and Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. I think that's going to be a huge part of marketing. And being a content creator, creator for that. Do you see it? Do you see a place for like what you and Scott are doing in that I, short form I, world? A way to do that in a way that you that with some integrity. We have tried. We will do. Uh, Scott runs the Upstop Media TikTok and Instagram and all of that stuff, um, yeah. and he's done a fantastic job of growing his page yeah. using yeah. shorts and stuff like that. Me being the stubborn person I am, and also I'm forgetful and I don't edit. I don't. If I'm going to spend time editing, I'm going to work on good videos, not yeah. little short ones. Understand. But he's done a huge, great job of growing his page, and we'll do things. We just film POVs vertically. We take a GoPro, rotate it 90 degrees, and film just like we normally would um, to get different content that's geared for short form, but also maintaining what we do. It's the same mounts we use for all of our other POVs, same quality for all of our other POVs. And then, yeah, we'll like showcase like the launch on a coaster, and then we'll put a link to YouTube. In the description, yeah. like hey, if you want to see the full POV, here it is. Or yeah. if the ride's short enough, we'll post the full POV on TikTok and Instagram. Or if it's the voyage, we'll split it into three parts. <laughs> or the beast. Yeah. Or the beast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think there is still a place though for the photography and the video. Um, commercials are never going away. You still need ads on YouTube, you still need ads for TikTok and Instagram. Um, it might shift where we're pointing our cameras from sideways to we're flipping our cameras vertical to film some of that stuff. But yep. at the end of the day, that's just rotating my camera 90 degrees. Um, yeah. <laughs> same thing with photos. I, I'm a I'm a purist photographer. I love to shoot landscape, but I mean, I've got a massive portrait picture of Zadra on my wall behind me because it parks yep. negate vertical content for social media now. So. I'm kind of in the habit of shooting horizontally, cropping vertically, or if I know for mm -hmm. sure it's being shot for social media, it gets shot vertically. So last question, what's um, what's, what's coming up for you? So what can I talk about? That's the one other thing. Is there are several <laughs> things I have evaded talking about because they're yeah. – the one, the, the fun part about being in the industry is you do start yeah. to find out things, you know, what's coming next, you, yeah. know, what, yeah. you know, what's we, happening. Look, we can um, be vague here. We can also break big news here, but we can be vague on this podcast. So I've got two thing, two projects next year. One of them's for sure happening. One of them I'm 90% sure that I'll be doing. The first one is Good Gravy. I will be around for media day for that. And then... Um, I've also got a project with Holiday World involving the solar eclipse next year, which will be a lot okay. of fun. 
Yeah. And the other one involves a reimagined roller coaster in Sandusky, Ohio. Okay. That's about all, right. all I want to say on that yeah. before I jinx myself. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Coasters and Creators brought to you by Next Stop Air and Travels, making Disney vacation planning easy, free, and fun. Get started at nextstopairin.com. Also, if you want to help us out, be sure to rate and review Coasters and Creators on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'll see you next time.